0: We go episode 12. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez, Anthony DeMarco. What's going on, Ant? Not much. That's a hell of a new intro you got going there, man. It's pretty yeah, badass. Man. A little something I threw together before the illness came in,
1: <laughs> <laughs> before
0: uh, you became bedridden. Yeah, geez, it's just been brutal. Um, let me tell people about Bet Parks because you got to get the casino and sports book app. We've got the uh weekly hockey boost for you tonight. How about this? Check this out. Uh, This is officially official. I may start coughing at any point, people, so sorry. Um, Officially official for the pod today. The Flyers to score a goal in each period of the game tonight. um, It was plus 320. They boosted it to plus 400. But if you use the promo code SNIPE, S-N-I-P-E, all caps, you'll get the boost at plus 500 for the Flyers to score a goal in each period. Now, this is coming off a shutout. Where they got shut out against the Rangers, and only mustered what nineteen shots on Shosturkin, was it? Yep, nineteen shots. Yeah. So, uh, but tremendous payout at plus five hundred. So grab the Bet Parks app today. Easy to use, fun to use, easy to sign up, faster to win than ever before. And uh, download the new Bet Parks app. You need to be over twenty-one, present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. So again, use the promo code. And get that uh, that code snipe to get the boost from plus three twenty for the Flyers square every period to four hundred now to five hundred plus five hundred on that one tonight. You, you like to play there? Uh
1: I think it's not too bad. I'm not a big betting guy, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm 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 so bad at it. Like this is the thing. I'll usually jump into the betting game once in a while when I'm maybe like one or two pops down the hatch and then lose 20 bucks. And then my girlfriend gets mad and then I can't play for the rest of the month. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But playing
0: Toronto tonight, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but um, also let me tell everybody about Conquerville Subaru because um, it's a fantastic dealership. Great time of the year to head down there and visit the showroom on route 202 and Glen Mills and check out their certified pre-owned inventory and a list of their incoming Subaru vehicles. Also, you know, they're the first uh, Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the, uh, of the Nation award winner back in 2015. They continue the great work they do. Eight years supporting Newmore Children's Hospital of Delaware. Fifteen classrooms in the Marcus Hook Elementary School where they donate $500 for the teachers to pick classroom supplies. And the donation of thousands of coats to La Humanidad de España in Kennet Square. They've done that for 10 years and they continue that as well. So check it out. It's more than a dealership. Great service department. And get a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquerBillSubaru.com online. And check out the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Cockerville cares. So, Flyers back to back tonight. Ant, are headed to Toronto, a team that has lost already this season to th- the three uh, statistical worst teams in the NHL: in Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona. And they're not even and they're only ten games in, and they've lost to those three teams already.
1: Yeah, it's tough times in Toronto. Obviously, like I live up here in Montreal, but when stuff is going on in Toronto, well, you know what? It's always loud in Toronto, if I'm being honest with you, because this is the third straight season that Toronto's got off to a rocky start. And obviously, last year they were able to pull it together. I believe they finished with their best regular season in franchise history, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, in the COVID shortened season in the Canadian division, they really ran away with that. But what was the end goal for both of those seasons, a first-round playoff exit? Obviously, last year, much more admirable than blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens in 2021, but the end result was just the same. So it's kind of feeling like Groundhog Day in a lot of ways for the Toronto Maple Leafs because it almost feels worse, actually, this time around because now you have Austin Matthews really struggling to get out of the gate playing well here by his standards, of course, relatively speaking. He's still one of the great best players in the NHL, but by his standards, it has been a slow start. You have a bit of the controversy surrounding Mitch Marner with him getting bench first a shift, the clear altercation a bit with Sheldon Keefe on the bench. And I think that a lot of people here are just ready to pounce on the Toronto Maple Leafs because of their playoff history. And the thing is, is that even if Toronto were to go... and in the regular season, nobody would really care until you got to the playoffs because we've seen this story before. And look, I think that eventually the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to get this thing back on the rails. I think they're going to be one of the top three teams in the Atlantic Division and all that. But given their murky playoff history and starting slow once again, it just feels like everyone was prepared to jump all over them. And to be honest, with good reason, because their history doesn't really give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And they are flawed in construction in so many ways, like building your D around Morgan
0: Riley and Jake Muzzin. Yeah. You're goaltending around, you know, Matt Who? Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, what are you doing? You know, you spent all these money, all this money on forwards with obviously Tavares and Marner and Matthews and Nylander. And you just, I, I just don't see it. Even if they were to win around to of the playoffs, I don't see playoff success there. And going on a run for a cup, they're just not built properly.
1: Yeah, and you know, you bring up the defense, and look, I'm I'm a Morgan Riley fan. I like him a lot. I think it speaks volumes to the type of character he is. That he's kind of like the only guy that survived the Brian Burke era and the era pre Matthews when they really really were fully tanking. And a lot of guys, a lot of people that I think thought was going to be the next captain of this team, but. He's not a good defensive defenseman. I think he's a guy that gives you a lot of shifts, eat a lot of minutes, but as your top guy, I think he struggles to play that role because he does struggle so much in his own end. Yeah. And then to your point, you bring in Jake Muzzin, obviously with a cup pedigree from the Los Angeles Kings, won a gold medal with Team Canada in 2014, by far their best defensive defenseman, but the guy's been there, barely been able to stay healthy the last couple seasons. So you take Jake Muzzin out of the mix, and you're rolling with the second pair of Rosmus Sandin and Justin Hall. And Justin Hall has had success in the past on that second pair, but only with Jake Muzzin. And you're kind of left in this point where TJ Brody's kind of like your best all-around D on any given night. And, look, I like Mark Giordano for a third pair, but that's exactly what he is at this stage in his career, nothing more than a third pair. You're playing with a Victor Mete. You have a uh, Jordy Ben, who you're kind of trying to bank on to help when he comes back. Another youngster and Timothy Lilgren. And look, I don't think they're a bad defensive team by any stretch. I think they're a heavily average defensive team. But without Jake Muzzin, I can't see who you roll out to match up against another team's top line in the playoffs. Like, yeah. I don't think it could be Riley. I think at this point you would have to pair... TJ Brody with either one of the young guys, or maybe turn back the clock to their days in Calgary, along with Mark Giordano. Wow, yeah, that's not a recipe for
0: success. Exactly. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to last night's game real quick. Flyers at the Garden. Their only visit to Madison Square Garden this year, which is k- kind of a shame. Um, but it's a it's one night eh? game. Very weird. Yeah, just, they only play them three times: two times in Philly, one time there. Um, but Carter once again, great performance. Uh, they can't hold it to the end and get to the shootout, which we probably know what the outcome would have been had they gotten to a shootout anyway. But um, <laughs> at least based on past precedent. Uh, but once again, great performance from the goaltender. Not enough offense, and look, I don't think it, it. It's not an effort thing. It's, I mean, look at the lineup. I mean, how are you supposed to to drive offense? And it's not system. It's none of those things that are preventing them from being able to you know be more even in you know, the possession game or shots or any of that stuff because you're so depleted already from a roster standpoint
1: yeah I, I said it yesterday uh on brotherly pod that i think it's mostly due to the fact that they're playing basically without a top line and mm-hmm. even guys like hayes and connect who have averaged what a point per game if not a bit more in the case of hayes a lot of the time these guys get caved in their own end because these aren't guys who should be playing up against the Panarins of the world, or in tonight's case, the Austin Matthews of the world, or the Sebastian Ajos of the world. Like, I think for the most part, the Flyers' depth lines have done well. Like, certainly Delorier, Sedlak, and Wade Allison, I think, has proven to be a very good third-slash-fourth line. I think Kate, since going back to left wing and playing with Scott Lawton and a returning Owen Tippett, that line has been much better. I thought Owen Tippett was arguably their best forward last night. Yeah, But then you get a top line that's overmatched, and this is nothing. It's like Hayes, Konechny, and Faraby, although I think Faraby has struggled a bit, shaking off a bit of the rust. I did ask if he was at 100%, but I was told by someone last night that they don't think he is still fighting an injury. So I guess it's just rust at this point. But they're just just been overmatched because I think that on any given day, that's a decent second line and maybe even a third line on a lot of teams. So I'm not gonna fault Hayes and Connecting and Ferby for being overdeployed. And then we look at, I guess, the third line, or if you go by ice time, the fourth line of Bellows, Frost, and Zach McEwen, which is just a non-factor. Like at this point yeah. on any given night, I think that those guys are fringe NHLers. And look, I, I think Frost has been decent I think he's worked on his defensive game a lot he's by no means a liability but I think given his skill set and given his ceiling and what he's done outside the NHL you want him to be contributing on the offensive side of the puck and he just simply isn't Zach McEwen I mean works really hard I thought he had a good stretch of games but last night certainly wasn't his best and Kiefer Bellows look it's a free Campbell but at this point I don't think the guy's an NHL player so it's tough he's when you're up, right pardon me Just doesn't move well enough, right? Yeah, he's just always behind the puck, I find. Like, he's just always behind the play. He Like, I know he's supposed to be a shooter, but he's just never in the play. It's like he's always, like, two, three, four, five steps behind. And then couple that with the fact that he's playing with a fringe NHLer in Zach McEwen and a guy in Morgan Frost who I still think is trying to figure out what he is at the NHL level. And it's just been a really brutal line to watch. Certainly last night it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, how –
0: How do we judge Frost when he's out there with a fringe NHLer, two fringe NHLers actually, Zach McEwen and Christopher Bellows? You know, I mean, doesn't he need to be out there with more skilled players and play more minutes? Because Torts is really taking a lot of his ice time away. You know, first it was Konechny and Hayes that uh, went into the doghouse, then it was certainly Allison and Frost. Yeah, well,
1: like, I said that I'm kind of confused that you have Allison with Sedlak and Delorier and McEwen with Frost and Bellows. I don't really understand that. But you look at how Torts has been using him, and he's gotten virtually no offensive zone start time. Like, he's been deployed heavily in his own end, not a lot of time, 5-on-5. I think he only got, like, 8 minutes and 33 seconds at 5-on-5 last night, only a bit more than Zach McEwen for least on the team. And certainly they've used him in a very bizarre way. And Bill Meltzer brought it up yesterday when we were discussing on Twitter that maybe, you know, put him back with Noah Cates and Owen Tippett where he had success last season. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's a point to this where you have to make the best with the cards you're dealt. And I look at a guy like Wade Allison and look, Sedlak and Deloria have been very good in their roles, relatively speaking, of course. But in their roles, they've been good. But Allison, I think, has made the best of that situation and has gelled with those guys and has made those guys better, in fact. But I think Frost, although he still is by far the best player of that trio that he's with, I don't think that he's done himself any favors in the way of playing well on an individual basis. Because I look at some of the analytics, I watch him play – And, look, he's not a liability, and I think Mike Yeo deserves a lot of credit for helping Morgan Frost work on his two-way game. But I just haven't seen the offensive jump or creativity from Frost enough to say, like, okay, well, now we should bump Scott Lawton out of that 2C spot and give it to Morgan Frost. And, look, I think that the line mates and the deployment absolutely play a factor in it, but I just want to see a bit more from Morgan Frost on an individual standpoint.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. I just want to see more consistent flashing, and I'm just not seeing that. Eric uh, messages in and says, uh, "Drop Sealer and put Zamula in." I think that's going to be the case tonight to get a you know a fresh body in. Tanner lazinski will probably come in too. I would imagine for Kiefer Bellows tonight.
1: That I would probably, hope
0: so. I would think that that would be the guy. And then he also says, "Bring up Forster." Now Forster's got two goals, three assists in his first seven games, but. When it's I had chuck Fletcher happen. on Yeah, when I had chuck Fletcher on Flyers Daily, that's not
1: an immediate thing.
0: That it's not the time I don't think it's the time to call him up. I really don't.
1: And it's also because he is kind of like a, a victim of circumstance because they're so deep at right wing. Like I think on any given night, especially last night, their best forwards have been Konechny and Owen Tippett, two guys who are playing right wing in the top six. And look, you could certainly bring up Forster and play him with Frost, but I don't think they want to mess with that right now. And I think that for the most part, they're winning games. They're not getting blown out. Obviously, the possession battle, the territorial and expected goals is, can be ugly at times. Certainly was last night in a lot of ways. But I, I just think that Forrester isn't in the cards right now. I think they really want to make sure and they don't want to screw with his development, right? Because they have some guys down there in Lehigh Valley that I think that they're banking on to take the place of some of the guys who aren't going to work out in the, in the NHL this year.
0: Yeah. I I agree with you. Um, you know, and the injury thing with Couturier and
1: Atkinson, it's all very distressing. I mean, what are you hearing in that, on that front? Well, I mean, Couturier, we saw he had back revision surgery, so he's out till March. And I guess it was worst case scenario in terms of all the reports that came out. And in the end, what ASF reported came to be true. Um, as for Atkinson, like I had a report last week where I was told that it, it's one of those things that could be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, next month or next year. It's just one of these things that they really can't get a read on and there is no timetable for his return. And it really sucks, right? Because, you know, we just talked about Bellows, Frost and, and, um, and McEwen. And, like, I'm not saying that Frost would be the guy to come out, but take out that line and you put in JVR, Katori, and Atkinson at 100%. That changes a lot for this team. Does it oh, make yeah. it a, a cup contender team? No, not by any stretch, but it bumps everyone down a peg. And, you know, I think that if you have Farabee, Hayes, and Tippett, or, and connectney as your second line, and you have Cates, Lawton, and Tippett as your third line – And I think they already have a very good fourth line in Sedlak centering Deloria, and Allison. It changes a lot for this team. They're missing three forwards and three guys who would arguably be make up your entire top line right now. So it is very demoralizing. Obviously, JVR is much closer than the the other two. I'm sure he'll be back sometime by December, if not a bit earlier. But in terms of Keturian and Atkinson, it feels like there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. And it is very demoralizing. Yeah, and we could, I mean, very
0: well not see either this year. I mean, I did the math on, you know, if all of these were worst case scenarios, say Couturier never came back, and it is LTIR for the remainder of that deal. Same thing with Cam Atkinson, JVR's money comes off the books. Ellis's money is LTIR. Yeah. It's like twenty six million dollars in cap space that they'll have.
1: Yeah, like I I was talking about it yesterday on my pod, uh, with on Brotherly Pod, and I was saying that like. Because of all the money that they're missing, imagine you take out two Fords on this team, like two guys and you just drop in like a Matthews and a Marner or a McKinnon and a Rantanen or a point and a Kucherov, like just two very elite level players. How far off is this team from being a legit playoff team? Yeah. a ways. <laughs> well, like, I just think that if you had those two elite level players with that cap space that's basically just dead right now because of the yeah. injured players, you have dead cap space, and you just gave two elite players at the top of this roster, I don't think they're as bad as you think because I do think their overall depth isn't terrible. It's just that they're essentially playing without a fir- uh, without a first line right now, and they have one line that probably is you know cumulatively not supposed to be in the NHL with Bellows and McEwen and Frost kind of being dragged down by that.
0: Oh, man. The thing is, Ant, is they started out through the first eight games with the same record of the last two years. We know where those years have gone. I think there's some similarities in those two seasons, both positive and negative. And I think there's some differences in there, both positive and negative. First of all, I don't think the roster this year is as good as it was those past two years because you had Couturier to start the season. You had Giroux. You had some other players this year you don't have that from jump street without atkinson or couturier or ellis as we know but you know one thing that is different that is a positive is that there is a much more resilient group out there and it seems like there's a little bit better structure for Hart as well look i don't expect it to continue um but I think there are some positive differences year to year. I'm not saying it's going to lead to a whole lot of a difference in record, though.
1: Yeah, like we went into this season fully expecting them not to be anywhere near the playoffs, as opposed to the last two years. That was the end goal. Right. And, you know, you could argue in 2021 coming off of the 1920 season when they went to the um, the second round that they were looking to go even deeper than just the first round the second round. Some people had them picked as cup favorites, mm-hmm. but this year there were no expectations. And like you said, there's no Giroux here. There's no Voracek here. There's no, there's no Couturier here. There's no Ryan Ellis here. And when you go in, when everything is basically house money, it kind of relaxes everyone. And look, I fully expect by the end of November, them to probably dip a bit under 500 to really see what this team is made of. You know, everyone always says American Thanksgiving is really when you start to get the real litmus test of every team. But there is a different feeling here. Like, I don't think that that we're going to see a 10-game losing streak here. Hell, I don't even know if we're going to see like a five-game losing streak. We haven't really seen them get blown out of the water yet, like run out of town. Like, what was the first game that that happened to them last year? Was it Calgary yeah. out west?
0: Uh, yeah, for nothing on Cal mm-hmm. it was the last game of that first road trip. Yeah, and- Edmonton, San
1: Jose, and then Calgary. Yeah, exactly, and that's when everything kind of started Vancouver, to Vancouver. Sorry, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, and they played very well against Edmonton, won against Vancouver, and they, then everything started to fall apart against Calgary. And look, obviously, there's going to be games where they get beat bad. Obviously, this year, they could have probably already been beaten bad, if not for Hart. And he's been giving them just elite-level goaltending, probably the best goalie in the NHL right now, aside from Jake Ottinger. But it's just something different about this group when you watch them play and they're giving that effort 100% all the time. And even though they're getting outshot and outchanced and all that, it doesn't feel like the house is caving in in front of Hart all the time. Like, it feels like at least, like, there aren't, like, and Charlie O'Connor said this, uh, I believe it was on the Athletic Show last week, where he mentioned that, like, they're not giving up those consistent A-plus chances. They're limiting it all to maybe, at worst, B-plus, A-minus chances, and at right now, Carter Hart is the type of guy, or playing the type of way, that he's able to stop the lion's share of those chances, and look, obviously, in the sheer volume that they're giving them up, they're, go- they're bound to give up some goals. He's not Superman, but it doesn't feel like years past where everything is just caving in around him and teams are getting in into the prime areas right in front of the net, at the high slot, to just get multiple A-plus chances. I mean, does he have to be the number one star of the month of October?
0: For them to stay relevant, probably. (laughs) No, I mean, based on what took place this October, I mean, the way he's played, is he the number one star in the NHL? I would
1: say so, probably along with Jake Ottinger and Connor McDavid. Like, McDavid is on a different level right now, but I mean, in terms of... him out of it, because he's winning every month. (laughs) Well, that's it. Like, he's just in a different stratosphere with everybody right now, especially with the slow start that Matthews has has been off to. Yeah, I mean, he heart's been
0: unbelievable and, and you know the weird thing and i think he's let in a bad goal almost every game except for yeah. maybe
1: the nashville game or last night yeah yeah <laughs> so but, yeah. but but you're right like i was gonna say that after the calgary game and i didn't catch that game live but you know i saw the uh the first goal where they like stuffed it in like i think it was behind the goal line too and and it's weird to say to say that almost every game he's played in he's been their best player but has also given up a bad goal or two at times yeah and i think that speaks to the resiliency of the group because you always had that you know tangible feeling where like you would see the team kind of just get deflated when things would go bad in recent years and even hard you know specifically in the 2021 season when it's well documented that he struggled mentally with everything that was going on i think a lot of people could sympathize with that But this year it's like he could give up a bad goal within the first 15, 20 minutes or so. And it's just business as usual. He gets back on the horse. He ends up stopping, you know, 30 of 32 shots and the team comes back and battles back from a two goal deficit. Like that's the thing about this team that is very different as opposed to years past, which is nice. And that's, that's the actual difference, which makes it easier to watch this team. Like, you'll never see i think with this team maybe i'm wrong you, i don't think you'll see like those nine nothing games against the rangers like a year and a no. half
0: ago well if we do the torts will be I, I think he's been like really kind of chill so far and yeah you know if people think that his expectations are aren't in order i think is the way he's conducted himself and his media availabilities and just my experience with him one on one has been he's very aware of what it, where his team is and what
1: they are and what they're not, mostly mostly what they're not. Well, yeah, he, he keeps saying that they have a lot of work to do and all this. Like I know some people have already kind of started to turn on him with his utilization of guys like Frost or Allison. Like, Do you disagree with any of the way that he's handled the young guys, even Zamula in some ways? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's been perplexing for some of the guys. You know, when you see – you know, a guy like Wade Allison, who's finally healthy and he plays six minutes, you know, it's you're kind of going like, what? what's the point of that? You know, and like, I, I understand he's going to use guys and situations as teaching moments, and it's probably going to happen all year. And there's always going to be somebody that's in the lineup that's in the house, in the shit house, Right. And, and there's just it's not going to ever be a time when everybody feels comfortable. And maybe that's what needs to happen this year. I don't know, but it is a bit perplexing. You know, I'd like to see Frost play more to play his way into making more plays. But I guess Torch is just not seeing the level of engagement or level of success on the ice that he needs
1: to see from him. So he's not going to reward it. So, Allison is know. the Allison's the one that really kind of strikes me because you look yeah. at even like the underlying numbers, the eye test, like he seems like a guy who generates the most once the puck is in the offensive zone and yeah. just little things like I don't mind playing him on like a fourth line, if you will, with Sedlak and Deloria, because I think he fits that bill. And I think he is a guy that you could play on a fourth line, but also jump up in the lineup kind he of like his, was, his third line was better. Yeah, exactly that. That exactly it, and I think he has a game that could fit that meshes with a prototypical fourth line. But like when I see Zach McEwen jump over the boards instead of Allison on the second power play unit, like that to me, I'm just like, okay, like that seems like a go. bit excess. Yeah, just like why? Like nobody's mm-hmm. benefiting from that. Like Zach McEwen's never going to be a a positive power play player, and I think Allison's one of main attributes is his ability on the power play specifically net front or in the high slot is the trigger position as for frost. Like, I mean, you still see him giving frost opportunities. Like he's out there for the three on three. He was out there on the power play to start the, start the third period against the Rangers. I think Hayes was in the box. So he took his spot in the half wall. So he still is giving frost those offensive minutes at times, like on the power play and three on three, because I'm sure like towards is an idiot, an idiot, he knows that frost possesses skill, that most guys on this roster doesn't have like frost checks a lot of boxes in terms of his raw talent. But then you look at his total ice time and who he's playing with and his zone start percentage. And like you said there, he's clearly not seeing something from Morgan Frost, which is a shame, right? Because I think frost started off very well, obviously had two goals in the opener, but now one assist in the last eight games. And obviously the line mates have to play, do play a factor in all this. But, I mean, for a lot of that, he was playing with JVR. And I think JVR, for the most part, was having a good season before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there is an element that, like, Frost hasn't really made the best of the situation on an individual uh, basis. What have you thought of the D? I, and
0: and, and uh, D'Angelo in particular.
1: I thought D'Angelo probably had his worst game last night, but that, you know, he set such a high standard for himself. But I think all in all, like, aside from Carter Hart, you can make the case that he's been their MVP this season, specifically how he's helped drive offense, his work on the power play. He struggled on the power play last night. But I thought Provorov last night was a stud. Like, I think Mm. that you've really kind of see Provorov get back to form in a lot of ways. I think the reduced responsibility on the power play is really helping him. And to be honest, like, I think how they're utilizing Travis Sanheim has really helped pro as well because, look, a lot of people are freaking out that Sanheim doesn't have a point. And I do think that Sanheim hasn't been as good this season as he was last year. Not mm-hmm. bad by any stretch, but I think that he hasn't been quite up to where he was, at, like, last season. But he's been given a lot of tough deployment in the early going this season. Like he started- And he was with withdrawn for a lot of it, too. He was, he was with Braun for a lot of it. Ristalainen I thought, had a good game last night, but his first two games were not pretty. It took him no. a bit of time to get back together. But I thought Linen—he, I think he had the best Corsi last night of any defenseman. And I thought he had a really good game. Like, he did get, ch- uh, get caught chasing a little bit, but yeah. I thought he was doing well and down low on the board battles, getting the puck out. I know he's not really a, um, a possession exit guy, but he's pretty decent at just getting it out of danger by flipping it out. But I think the way that Sanheim has been deployed here, eating a lot of the tough D zone starts at five on five, has kind of taken a lot of pressure off of Provorov. And I think that if you look around the NHL, that's becoming much more common where you see like let's say Victor Hedman is the top guy but then you look at the deployment over the years in Tampa and it's been McDonough eating like those tough D zone starts obviously not the case anymore but that's what it was or in Toronto like Morgan Riley's like their number one guy but then you look at Jake Muzzin who would eat the tough D zone starts you can't just ride your main guy into the ground and I think that's why and look I'm not saying Pro Rob is a Kale McCarr or anything like that but I think that the fact that Kale McCarr gets that kind of D zone help from guys like Eric Johnson, yes, I think it really takes Exactly, it takes that pressure off. And you've seen how much Provorov and D'Angelo have been able to help and contribute offensively. And I think on the flip side, you have to give that credit to Travis Sandheim because, like you said, playing with Justin Braun early, barely getting any zone start time in the offensive zone to start his shifts. I think he's at like below 40%, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think that the defense, you know, I came into this season saying that I really have no issue with them, and I thought the top four in particular last night were very, very solid.
0: Yeah, and Cam York got hurt
1: in in the uh, Phantoms game the other day.
0: We're waiting to get more clarification on that. I mean, Jesus, with these injuries, it's just so insane. It doesn't, end. It doesn't end. doesn't right. end. All right, so what happens tonight? They win tonight? They go to <sighs> Toronto. Toronto coming back from this road trip, five-game trip. They won the first game, lost the last four. Lost to some shitty teams in there. Played really horribly against Anaheim.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously Sandstrom's going tonight. I really want him to get a win. I really want Felix Sandstrom to get a win here. And, And I think that for the most part, he's been solid. Like, I don't really have an issue with Felix Sandstrom. It's just that when you're so accustomed to Carter Hart's elite level goaltending, anybody is kind of a step down at this point. But look, uh, I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull out the win because, look, Toronto's coming back from an ugly road trip in front of a hometown crowd, a lot of pressure on them. It kind of screams like a game that maybe Toronto's going to come out and finally, you know, break whatever funk that they're in, especially against a tired team and a backup goalie. But then again, it's a good character opportunity for the Flyers to kind of bounce back here and really kind of prove that You know they are more than just the Carter Hart show, and Torts, you know, really stressed it a few weeks ago that they have a lot of tough back to backs, and they're going to learn how to play for them.
0: Yeah, and he said sometimes it's easier to get to your second level and back to back. Said that last night. Thought that was interesting. There was something Mm -hmm. else he said last night too after the game. I talked about it on Flyers Daily. Where's it at in my notes? He said that uh, when they asked him how he felt about the game, he said "I, I see strides being made in effort, care, and belief. And I was like, wow. You said, if I get those three things, I'll leave the rink happy. And not necessarily talking about results, but in the effort, the care with the game, and the belief. And to me, that all kind of equals, like I said on Flyers Daily, effort plus care plus belief equals what? And that, to me, it's honest hockey.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's very fair. Like he yeah. knows what this team is. Like you said, like he's not fooled by their record. And there's no delusions here. No, for sure not. But they're trying every game. There hasn't been a game where I've watched and said, okay, like they just don't give a shit tonight. Yeah. Even the San Jose game. Yeah. Even the San Jose game. I just think it was tired and they, it was a typical trap game and they had Mm -hmm. a decent road trip in the South where they went, what, two and one against the Florida teams in Nashville. And I I, I tweeted this out a couple of days ago or a week ago. I forget when it was exactly, but as weird or sad as it is, it's nice to see them losing games just from a sheer lack of talent as opposed to just not giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so at least that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely looked different. It's been more entertaining as well. Um, and great stuff. we got to cut a little short today because I my uh, stamina <laughs> tank's not – I can't <laughs> skate as many shifts. I can't log as many minutes just yet. Hopefully by Friday when Scotty Lachlan joins us from NHL Network Radio, I'll be able to do that, but – Holy shit. We'll see what happens <laughs> tonight, though, man. It'll be
1: fun tonight. Always good. Yeah, and at least we get to see some pretty quality players as well on the other side. Which is no no doubt. No All doubt right. about it.
0: And thanks for doing this, brother. Read stuff on uh, thefourthperiod.com and his Twitter handle at ademarco25. We'll talk soon, brother. Yeah, man. Rest up. There he is, Anthony DeMarco on Bet Parks Presents. Stick to Hockey Live. This is episode number 12, season 2. Let me tell you about the Bet Parks app. Great time to get the app. Great time to get in on the action. We got to get tones takes back on. I got to give. I have a call. I got to connect with him, and get his plays back on the program. We'll do that uh, maybe for Friday as well. Uh, But um, yeah, you got to check out the Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. We got our weekly hockey boost for tonight. Here it is: the Flyers to score a goal in each period of the game. The boost was plus 320, and they they boosted it to plus 400. But if you use the promo code SNIPE, S-N-I-P-E, you can get that boost up to plus 500 for the Flyers to score a goal in each period of the game tonight. Now they're coming off a shutout. So you got some good, good odds there, plus 500. Uh, So make sure you use the promo code SNIPE, S-N-I-P-E, all caps, and get that boost up to $500. So uh, get the Bet Parks app. You're going to love it. Simple to use, fast to use, faster to win than ever before. Same game parlays, live in-game betting on all the sports, player performances. Uh, Get in on the action for football, college and pro. Final and baseball. Oof, is that been crazy? Of course, hockey and everything else across the board. It's all there for you on the Bet Parks app. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, swing by uh, and see my friends at the Conquerville Subaru dealership on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Beautiful dealership, more than a dealership, great service department, free car wash with every visit, great work they do in the community. Stop by the dealership and see a list of their certified pre-owned or check out their certified pre-owned inventory and check out a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. Uh, and you got to check it out because it is a great dealership. Uh, visit Conquerville online and check out the showroom again on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Remember, Conquerville Care. Sorry, I cannot talk for a long period of time dealing with this damn RSV thing. It has been absolutely brutal. It feels like Ron Hextall took a Sherwood goalie stick to my rib cage from coughing so violently uh, for the past three or four days. But um, we'll be back Friday with Scott Lachlan from NHL Network Radio, and uh, we'll get you pumped up for the weekend of hockey. Then, everybody, thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, have a great couple of days, and we'll talk to more- you.